Hello and good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. What is the journey like for you? Because you know that listeners are tuning in because they want to hear the story of the author and and the journey of right. the author. A lot of these books don't give us the inside sleeve of an album cover. What we get is we get you know like what what the story is about and stuff like that. But what what is it what is it like for you? Um, I mean, I think as a working writer, you really have to have like a pretty solid process nailed down because you know, most working writers are working on more than one project at once. So I have like a pretty regimented system of of outlining, like a lot of writing, I think, is outlining and is coming up with your ideas and putting all your ducks in a row before you actually start like putting things into prose. I think that there's, I mean, what I always tell people is that a novel is an exceptionally large thing <laughs> and you, you can get lost in it. It's sort of like sort of jumping in the ocean. So I feel like I tend to sort of lay myself out a very clear path um, of characters of exactly what's going to happen in the story. And then I sort of write into that. You talk about being a working writer. So many listeners are, are you know, it's their hobby. It's that one thing that they do yeah. on the side and stuff like that. Making that that transition into a working writer. I mean, it, it's almost like when, when I sit down and I, I'm blessed with the opportunity to talk to many U.S. soldiers who, who, who protect this nation. And what they say is, it's just my job. And I'm going, oh, my God, you protect this nation. What do you mean it's just a job? Wow. <laughs> Yes, this is always a very different job. I mean, what I always say to writers is, if you are writing and you are sharing your work with other people, you're a writer. Mm -hmm. If you are creating worlds and you're putting stuff on a page, you're a writer. And I think it's important to make sure, I mean, even I was talking to somebody yesterday about this, like, if you caveat yourself as a writer, you say, like, I'm just a hobbyist or, you know, it's almost like you don't actually have to say that. If you're a writer, you're a writer, and you yeah. can just tell people you're a writer without putting an exception in front of that. How do you handle those situations when people say, oh, that's nice, so what do you write about? Have you, have you faced those people? <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, um, I think that there's a Canadian author named Margaret Lawrence who famously has this quote of uh, somebody said to her, like, oh, um, when I'm finished doing what I do for my career, I would love to be a writer. And she was like, yeah, that's me too. I would love when I finish my career as a writer to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> well, your new book is Annie of Greenville. Um, I, I love the ABBA approach because I grew up in the 1970s, so ABBA was a huge part of my heart. You, you had me at hello. Yes. <laughs> well, I am a big fan of disco, and obviously the original Anne of Green Gables was a very big fan of things like the Lady of Shalott, and I didn't know how many teens today would be into the Lady of Shalott. But to me, disco is my Lady of Shalott. Disco and Sylvester and those songs are, are the things that I grew up with and the things that I memorized, frankly. So I thought I would... Um, even though it's sort of like history for kids these days, I would I would make that this character's obsession. Well, you you're, you're writing about things right when you talk about disco and stuff like that. I mean, look at what Lizzo was doing. I I think that she's bringing back the the rebirth of disco. I mean, I think disco never went away. Uh, I hear disco that. in so many things. <laughs> yep. I um, it's still like my and also like even you know like this character is like a roller skating you know <laughs> disco person, which you could go on YouTube if you're a young person and and you know Google seventies uh, roller skating disco and the most amazing amazing videos of all time will be like there for you to watch. Annie tends to fall in love very quickly. There's a lot of readers that are going to go, Annie, 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 stop, stop, stop. Oh, she did. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I mean, and I think that that's part of being a teenager is that Anne sort of sees somebody and, you know, from a, from a distance, 
I mean, really, that's that's so much of, of love when you're young is that you sort of, I mean, and when you're old, too, frankly, you see somebody and you have this idea of them in your head, and the idea is to look at a character's journey, sort of learning more about the person as opposed to just like this sort of vision from afar. Yeah. Barry and Gilly, these are two friends that, you know, we all dream of having, you know, incredible, you know, uh, structure in our lives, and, and they, they offer that in, in the port, in, in the, in the, in a, in a support system, basically. Uh, well, Barry does. Barry is, I mean, I think that Barry is kind of like a life raft for Anne when she first moves to Greenville because Barry is like the sort of person who knows the rules of the town and is able to sort of give give Anne a map of what she's uh, walking into. Um, and yeah, I mean, to me, the thing that I try to put in all of my books is I think the thing that lets you survive most sort of um, adversity that you come against is a friend. Like as long as you have one person who's in your corner, I think it's possible to survive almost anything. Yeah. When you, when you say Greenville, I'm here in the Carolinas and we have a Greenville. Are you, you're not talking about Greenville, <laughs> uh, South Carolina, are you? No. <laughs> well, I mean, the original, um, the original books had Avonlea, which was a fictional town. Okay. Um, and I really wanted to create a space that could be anywhere. And there's lots of Greenvilles actually. So that seemed like, a way to sort of reference the original and and make it something that wasn't, you know, wasn't like Anne of Chicago or something like yeah. that to make it something that could be a little more anywhere. I totally get it. Now, when you when you speak of the word refresh, that that's might be a new word to a lot of readers. You know, this is a refresh to the readers. What does that What does that exactly mean? Um, I well, I mean, a lot of writing is sort of a take on a classic tale mm-hmm. that is sort of modernized in some way. I mean, I have spent a lot of years writing for. DC Comics writing Batman stories and Supergirl stories, which is basically taking a classic character and creating new adventures, sort of more modern adventures for that character to go through. So the original was, you know, I mean, the original Anne of Green Gables was written in 1908. So it seems like if you're going to refresh something, it seems fair that it was like more than a century ago to sort of use uh, more modern context for a character. So I think as a writer, it's just an interesting challenge. How do you take something that's not replacing or, or trying to sort of redo something, but sort of bring the inspiration to like a modern story. See, I, I love that because I, I totally believe in talking with musicians and stuff like that, they always talk about that music is an evolution. Well, so are stories. And what, and you know, this oh, yeah. it, it's almost as if this story has been waiting for you and it's been knocking on your heart for a long time saying, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? Can we do it now? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, for sure. I mean, it was just such a Melissa De La Cruz, who is this incredible author in her own right, who has this imprint for Disney, brought this project to me. And I was like, it's, it's almost as though... Like you have brought me, it's like a, a Cinderella slipper of a project for me because I, I am a Canadian. I grew up with Anne of Green Gables, and I, I, I do love the, I do love the challenge of like taking something nostalgic and making it like not, not just living in nostalgia, but living in something more present. I've been with Melissa many times. We've shared a lot <laughs> of laughs, and and to, to 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 grow with her, and 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 to share her books and stuff like that, and to see that you're part of this circle as well. My God. Yeah, she's amazing, and I think that there's so many, I mean, there's so many amazing um, writers in the YA world, and she's just, uh, yeah, she's a beacon in that world for me, so it was really, it's just been such a great thing to to have a reason to talk to her, <laughs> it's been really great, so I really, I mean, I, it's been really amazing for me to work with her. What What is it about the YA world, because I'm talking with movie directors and these top-notch, uh, uh, you know, actors and stuff like that that are jumping onto this YA, do you feel like that your world is being invaded by people that, I, I we can all tell a story, but why are you stepping on my path? I mean, I think every i think that there is something very central and very sort of at your core 
to a story about teenagers. Mm -hmm. You know, it just is like it's where you're sort of forming all the stuff that is you is in the teenage world. So I think it's very appealing for for a lot of people to sort of dig into that stuff. I think that there's always, there can be a notion that sometimes writing because it's for younger audiences, like the younger it is, the easier it seems to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all writing is hard. All writing is equally hard. So if you're going into YA because you're, you're hitting in your like sort of central emotional seeds, that's great. If you're writing it because you think it's going to be easier and faster than um, Good luck to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like walking into Barnes & Noble and you pick up that book that says, these are the publishers looking for this this kind of book, and then all of a sudden you write a book that you really, that's not even your, your zone, but you got published. Well, and I think that the thing is, is that if you try to follow a trend, by the time you <laughs> bought a trend, it's already happened. So, so by the time true. you finish your book five years from now, the trend will be over. And I think the best books are books that come straight from the writer's heart. Like if it is your... You know, if it is your story, then it doesn't matter when it's coming out. It's always going to be relevant. Don't you love those moments, though, when, when a book idea comes to you at, at probably one of the most awkward moments? <laughs> well, I have my – I used to have a notebook on me at all times, and so now I have my phone. So I think it's it's like a – it's great because it's really convenient, but it's bad because it looks like I'm on my phone all the time. But I'm, yep. just, I'm usually just typing out ideas. That is so true because I'll grab my phone, and I'll sit there, and I'll record into it. And people go, who, who are you talking to? You're at work. No, no, no. Yes. no, no. I know I'm at work. I'm, I'm at work with a book idea. Okay, so sh 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 give, me, yeah. give me a couple minutes here. Yeah. There's nothing like um, that sort of – it is sort of like a classic image of a person, like with their phone being like, idea, you know, like recording into their phone at the bus stop or whatever. I feel like it feels very like Hollywood to be doing that. Ah. <laughs> or musicians will look at you and go, yeah, you got it, man. Yeah. That's how we like, do I'm it. I'm on to something right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just a second, I'm on to something. I have a really deep thought right now. <laughs> <laughs> now. Now, to put a book like this together, when you're known for your graphic novels and stuff like that, what is it like to draw pictures inside the imagination rather than pictures on a page? Well, I have never, I mean, the the benefit for me of working on graphic novels is that I get to work with someone else, and yeah. so I have had the chance to work with amazing, incredibly talented illustrators. And the thing with the book is that it's really, it's just you most of the time. I will say um, Karen Scott was my editor for this book, and I think editors are drastically underrated as being, like, so much of the creative inspiration and the kind of creative guardrails in any writing process is your editor. So mm -hmm. I've been very lucky to work with really amazing ones. Wow. Where can people go to find out more about you and to give you lots of love? <laughs> well, I am Mariko Tamaki on all social media, so you can go and see pictures of uh, a lot of pictures of food. Uh, and and hikes is most of my food hikes and comics and books is is really my all of my social media so you can find me there. I love it. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. I mean, I I've been with Melissa four times, so that come on now, you got to catch up. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. Next time. Will you be brilliant? Okay. Thank you so much. You too.